SRN Survival Radio Network.
Adopt US Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. Your daughter just had her first breakup. Do you A, put yourself in her shoes? How could he do this to you? And for Sheila, she, she has split ends. B, console her. Oh, sweetie, this is going to happen a lot. Four, maybe five more times before you get married. C, take charge. Got to get this all straightened out. Keep a little talking to, man to man, mano a mano. Hey, Steve. It's now a good time? No? Okay, no problem. Bye. Or D, help her find a new boyfriend. I know a great place to meet boys. The internet. Nice, single boys. Never mind. How about some ice cream? As a parent, there are no perfect answers. But you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. Oh, my goodness. You mean to tell me you haven't heard yet? You don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, wait a minute. Let me break it down and make it plain. On August 13, 2017, one of the greatest events is going to take place. This is the 6th Annual Nonprofit Trinity Awards that's going to be taking place at the Porter Sanford Performing Arts Center. Now listen, men, you've got to have your swag. Women, you've got to wear your finest, your gowns, because at 5 p.m., there's going to be a photo op session. Yes, people are going to walk down the red carpet, have their photos taken. It is going to be wonderful. Mix and mingle, they'll be all dirt. What is this all about? Well, let me tell you. On August 13, 2017, at the Porter Sanford Performing Arts Center, it's going to be the Nonprofit Trinity Awards, the sixth annual one, that is. For more information, you've got to go to www.nonprofittrinityawards.org. Don't miss this great event. It's going to be second unto none. you got to be there. Hope to see you. Um, 
you know, as a as a business owner and you too being busy as you as you are, uh travel is almost inevitable. Okay. We have to uh business trips, whether it's uh for fun, uh car or a plane, you know, it's just uh we need to have some special nutritional strategies for when we're on the go. So uh right. what I wanted to do was uh give about five solutions when it comes to the nutritional side of things and about and five little tips for uh workout and physical parts that you can do in a hotel or anywhere in that hotel gym or things like that. Uh, Great. So it's just good. So things that are in the proximity. Uh, and just like in real estate, you know, location is key. Mm. Yeah. Well, that that'll really help us out. So what are some of those, and how can we implement this on our travel itinerary? Well, uh, what I would like to start off is, uh, like, solution number one, it could be uh, you could pick a hotel with the best combination of nearby resources. You could have some grocery stores around you, uh, some restaurants, uh, local gyms, maybe even a gym inside of that hotel would be a great step, like the first step there. So you know you're prepared. You know that you have uh, some good resources close by. Mm. So picking that hotel, kind of getting online, and kind of scoping things out before you even leave. Uh, exactly. And, and making sure that there's some type of facility there. Interesting. Okay, that's a great idea. Exactly. Uh, a couple more would be uh, choose a room with a kitchenette or at least a refrigerator. You know, while you don't necessarily have to stay at, like, a five-star hotel, you can choose a hotel chain uh, such as Extend Stay. You know, they offer rooms with a fridge or even a full kitchenette. Uh, and even on the way to the airport, you could simply make your first stop at the grocery store. Remember, we're saying we want to be right by a grocery store, so you can make uh-huh. your first stop there. And then, since you uh, made sure to choose a hotel with a store na- nearby, you might be able to check in, drop your bags in the room, walk to the store. Once you return to your room, you know you'll be able to eat nearly as well as if you were home. Not quite as good, but you know you'll be prepared. <laughs> right, you'll save some money, and you know a lot of times, Coach Bruce. You know, you can at least, particularly if your hotel doesn't serve breakfast, you know, at least you can at least make sure that you can, you know, make your own breakfast, your own healthy breakfast. Or if you're out on a big tour or whatever and you could just make sure, you know, a lot of times you could just come back to your hotel room and fix, you know, you don't have to fix a heavy meal but something healthy that you're used to. But I think that's a great idea. So find a, try to get a room with a fridge or kitchenette. Great. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my third suggestion would be uh, – you obtain the restaurant menus in advance. Uh, first, mm. make sure to find out where the restaurants are nearest your hotel. Uh, lo- second, most restaurants have the menus that you can download from the website. You know, a lot of things are digital now. You can find a lot of menus, a lot of suggestions online for that restaurant. And this will most certainly help you plan in advance and not be caught in a moment of severe hunger that often leads to poor choices. So download a menu, even call them up, you know, ask them uh, what the, the healthier choices are. Uh, that's definitely uh, step number three right there. Okay, that sounds good. Pre-planning again, that, that's that's a good idea. Pre-planning. Uh, you could bring some protein supplements, you know, for the times when you're on the road. It's impossible uh-huh. to sit, slip back to your room or get to a restaurant. Uh, you'll need to consider a few supplement options, I should say. You know, protein choices are both hard to come by and more expensive than other options. So increasing your dietary energy with protein powders is really a good fallback option when you're on the road. Uh, nutrient-dense protein bars. Uh, with that, you know, you want to just keep an eye out for the high carbs and fillers, but it's definitely mm-hmm. a, a viable option. Um, so that's number four. And number five, this is going to sound funny to some people, but uh, a, a, a powdered vegetable, you know. Um, oh, okay. Powdered yeah, vegetables. Yeah, yeah, yeah powdered vegetables. Yeah, that's cool because you can find them at the uh, health stores, um, uh-huh. certain companies that sell them. Uh, so a powdered vegetable, normally while you're at home, uh, suggested you want to have about 8 to 10 servings of fruits and vegetables per day. Uh, however, right. when you're on the road, the amount is usually reduced somewhere around 2 to 4, so it's almost in half. Um, and then so to make up for that reduction, that reduction in the micronutrient intake, you uh, mm. can take and use that powdered vegetable supplement, uh, such as, you know, Advil Greens, which is a supplement that I use myself whenever I'm traveling uh-huh. or, you know, at home myself because I'm not really a big fan of vegetables. You know, uh, my girlfriend, she does really well with feeding me the asparagus and the broccoli, but right. as far as having <laughs> eight to ten servings, that, that's hard for most people. So having that powdered uh, Advil Green supplementation has definitely helped me keep up with that. Wow. That's, that's, that's innovative. That's new. I need, 
need to think about that myself. Excellent. Yeah, so it's definitely definitely some suggestions out there, some stores and things that I can help uh, and suggest and lead anybody in the, in the proper direction. So those are right. my five solutions when it comes to nutritional and just being ahead of the game, so to speak, and not being caught off guard during travel because travel enough uh, is hard. It's hard enough just right. being on that plane or that bus or driving. You know, I'm not really a big fan of travel, but when I have to, I want to make sure that I'm prepared nutritionally and not uh, ruin the hard work that we put in uh, at home. Right, right. Um, now, what about exercises? You're, you know, you're in the room, you've checked in, and let's say, let's say um, you don't have a hotel, you know, the, the gym. They don't have it. Let's say mm-hmm. there's a gym, but that's, it's not the equipment you want to work out with, or let's say they don't have a gym. Uh, what what would be some suggestions for that as far as exercise? Yeah, I have a couple simple uh, do anywhere workouts. Um, first step is just really you can prep yourself and do interval training. So intensity, uh-huh. high intensity interval training. Uh, I, I'm assuming on travel, the last thing you want to do is spend an hour, hour and a half working out or doing any kind of physical uh-huh. activity. So high intensity interval training is a great way to just spend about 20 minutes of your time, elevate your heart rate. Uh, rest your heart rate, burn the most fat, burn the most calories in the shortest amount of time, and yield the greatest results. So some simple do-anywhere workouts in a high-intensity interval training um, situation or environment would be best. So uh, even if you have a heart rate monitor, that would be something great too. You know, I know the Fitbits at my studio here, everything is heart rate-based. We are very backed by science, and we want to make sure that we coach you based off your heart rate. Uh, so we equip you with a heart rate monitor here at my studio. But mm-hmm. for you, you can purchase one of your own, an outside source. You know, uh, the Fitbits help a lot. Uh, so what I would suggest is do that. Uh, you can start off with a warm-up. You want to move through for those times when you just can't manage your normal exercise routine. You know, a 10-minute workout, 20-minute workout to stay in shape would be great. So you could warm up with some jumping jacks. You could do some burpees, uh, mm-hmm. some 10 jumping jacks to warm up, five burpees. You could do three rounds of that. Hey, what's um, a burpee? Take a rest. I saw that. I saw that what? yesterday. Uh, Does, can burpee, you describe a burpee? <laughs> uh, 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 okay, a burpee is the least liked exercise I think on okay. the planet. It's I had the, to uh, the least liked one. Yeah. yeah, it's like the redheaded stepchild of workouts of exercises. Okay. So, uh, basically, it's a full body workout where you uh, start off in the push-up position, mm-hmm. uh, jump your legs forward, so you're kind of replacing your feet with your hands. And then you turn that into a jump squat and just continue to repeat that for about uh, five to ten reps. Uh, it's okay. a funny name for an exercise that is total body because you're working your chest, you're working your legs, elevating your heart rate, engaging your core. It's very comprehensive. And, and actually, even though it's possibly one of the most hated ones, it's a uh, mm-hmm. uh, very great and good workout for the body and gets your heart rate elevated and hits everything at once for a, a very short movement. Excellent, excellent. Okay. So you could, you could do things like that, uh, do five reps of each exercise. So a couple exercises you could do is a squat, a regular squat, okay. body weight squat, things like that. Uh, you could turn it into a jump squat, so you're doing something stationary, then you're doing something more explosive to elevate that heart rate, and here's where we're going back into that interval training. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could do a push-up. You know, so some push-ups just to build the chest strength, uh, engage the triceps, engage the shoulders. Uh, you could do a reverse lunge. So we're standing with our feet shoulders apart and just taking that step back. Uh, uh, some single-arm rows. So if in a, a situation in a hotel, more than likely you're not going to have a dumbbell. So the right. thing you can use is uh, your luggage. You know, you packed some heavy stuff, uh-huh. you know, especially – Especially the women out there, and you know, they're, they're they're packing like they're leaving forever. <laughs> so right, exactly. Yeah. You grab your, <laughs> yeah, you just grab your significant other's uh, luggage, and you know you could do some rows, do some bicep curls, things like that. Use the luggage for uh, as resistance. Great, great. Well, that sounds good. That sounds doable and applicable. So I, I like that. I like those suggestions. Um, well, hey, thanks, Coach Bruce, for stopping by and giving us some some fitness tips. Uh, again, how can uh, how can how can we reach you? Where are you located? Well, I'm located here in Barbersville, West Virginia, uh, at the Mary Creek Plaza. Uh, the address is 3034 Champion Drive. 
Uh, we're located um, a couple doors down from Bellasinos and where Old Charlie's and Target is. Uh, if you can reach us, our phone number is 304-521-1500. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram on Orange is the New Bruce on uh, Instagram. And our Facebook page is Orange Theory Fitness Barbersville. Uh, so anything and orangetheoryfitness.com is our website. So if anyone's interested in that, like I said, our uh, studio is right here. We are a one-hour total body workout. We're here to help any and everyone at any fitness level because our workouts are all based off your heart rate. So whether it's your first day ever picking up a weight or your seasoned athlete, we can customize a workout just for you specifically needed nutritionally and physically. Great, great. Okay, Coach Bruce, we're glad you're able to come by. Hopefully we'll have you on the show uh, again pretty soon. So with that, We'll go to our second commercial break, ladies and gentlemen. So please stay tuned and be informed. Thank you. Looking for a cafe with a home-like appeal where all who enter feel like they are part of something? Visit My Coffee Shop, located in East Lake, Atlanta, Georgia. MCS has a full breakfast and lunch menu, offering both hot and cold options, and is home of the amazing basil lemonade. But don't forget their assortment of freshly brewed coffees. Come on by at 2462 Memorial Drive, Atlanta, Georgia, 30317. We're pretty sure my coffee shop at East Lake will become your coffee shop too. iDope, iDope, globally inspired vision stylewear, a fusion of classic heritage and contemporary sophistication. An essential part of your lifestyle and fashion expression. iDope, iDope, vision stylewear for the fashion forward and socially conscious. Let's make this a dope world together. iDope, iDope. Available online at iDope.com. That's E-Y-E-D-O-P-E. iDope.com. Survival Radio Network, with now more than one million downloads. Congratulations to the staff, producers, engineers, and hosts for your tireless pursuit of excellence. And thank you, our loyal listeners, for supporting this movement to inspire, motivate, and educate people worldwide. Survival Radio Network, Survival Radio Christian Network, and our new Survival Sports Radio Network broadcast top-notch shows Sunday through Saturday. Check us out by visiting our website at www.survivalradionetwork.us. SRN, we do radio one million strong. The S-R-N. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to the Weekly Wellness Show, your resource for better health on the Survival Radio Network. Today we're talking about traveling but traveling, being healthy and fit. We just got through talking with Coach Bruce of Orange Theory Fitness about some of the things you can do with regard to nutrition as well as exercises while you are traveling or on vacation. Now, on this next segment, we're going to be talking to Dr. Williet Robertson. Now, Dr. Robertson is a board-certified internal medicine physician who's practiced for 18 years. She is a graduate of Spelman College with a degree in biology and a minor in biochemistry. She also, during her junior year, attended the University of Lancaster in Lancaster, England. She graduated from Wright State University School of Medicine and completed her residency in internal medicine at the Mount Carmel Medical Center in Columbus, Ohio. She is board certified and is a diplomat of the American Board of Internal Medicine. She's a major in the Army National Guard and was recently promoted to lieutenant colonel. And she is a fellow of the American College of 
position. So without further delay, let's welcome to the show Dr. Williette Robertson. Well, thanks How for having doing, me, Aaron, on the show. How you doing? Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. I'm just so glad that you're able to join us today. We know you're pretty busy uh, with you having your, your medical practice and serving uh, in the armed services. We thank you for your service. Uh, but I felt that you were was the right expert with regard to the topic of travel and staying healthy because you do so much. In fact, what I understand, you're getting ready to go to Kuwait in a few weeks. Oh, yeah. Actually, next week I'm going to be hanging out for my deport. Next, uh, <laughs> next Friday, so pretty soon. It's coming up a little faster than planned, but it's coming. <laughs> wow, that is great. That is great. Uh, congr- and number one, uh, congratulations on your promotion to Lieutenant Colonel. Uh, that is that's a great thing. Uh, but what got you into what got you into traveling and and I mean you you've been to a lot of places all over the world. What got you into that? Well, you know I started traveling actually when I was 20 years old when I was a, a rising junior at Spelman College. I, I, my first international trip was actually actually in West Africa where I had a chance to do a volunteer medical mission, and then following mm. that summer I, I I actually did my junior year in England. And while I was in England, I had such a great opportunity to travel to all the different countries in Europe. And once you get the travel bug, you have the travel bug. <laughs> right. I can I can definitely say that. I mean, I'm working on it myself. Uh, it's a great thing. Uh, but I got a lot of catching up to do when it's compared to you. Because uh, how many countries have you been? Been to? Well, I went. <laughs> <laughs> well, I went down and I just wrote a list last night. It's actually 33 right now. Wow. 33 wow, nice. countries. Uh, 13 in Europe. Actually, six in Africa. With actually four in uh, West Africa. Matter of fact, four or five in West Africa. I had the opportunity to go to Australia, New Zealand, and I, I did actually have a little chance to go to Dubai. So I've got a little bit of experience with the Arab nations. So hopefully that'll help me out when I get to Kuwait. That is great. That is simply great. Well, what are some of the things we need to start thinking about? You know, uh, you know, as you know, most of us hopefully are pretty healthy, but sometimes things happen. I mean, you don't necessarily have to cry, have to have a chronic disease to start having some type of uh, uh, condition in a in a foreign country or here in the United States. So, what are some of the 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 things we need to keep in mind and what are some of the diseases or, or conditions we may run into? Well, there are a lot of diseases you can get. Um, what I want to kind of focus on today is the different type of um, immunizations you may want to try to get, make sure that you right. may need to how to prevent some of these diseases out there. Um, I want to kind of talk about how to prevent um, prevent malaria or getting travelers diarrhea or how to even treat it if you do get one of those diseases. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, I know when I went to uh, to Africa um, both times, uh, immunizations was something I had to kind of kind of deal with. Yeah, so can you enlighten us on that? Yeah, what are some of the things we need to consider? Well, hey, as international travel to um, exotic locations becomes increasingly common, immunization is definitely an important part of uh, travel preparation. Mm-hmm. Um, in order to in order to reduce your risk of infection, you should um, make a, first make a trip to your primary care doctor's office in your local health department to see which vaccines you may actually need. Um, I also want to point out that a good resource um, for immunizations you may need, you can go to the Center for Disease Control website. Right. Right. Um, yeah, you could go tell- there and, and kind of pick the country that you're going to, and they'll almost tell you what you might need. But... And then after that, I guess you need to do what you're just saying, your primary care doctor or the health department. So, uh, great. What, what are those? What are the type of vaccines that are involved? Uh, I think there's. I heard of there's like three categories. Yeah, there are three categories. You have uh, three different categories. You have your uh, routine vaccines. You need to make sure that are up to date. You have uh, vaccines that are required to in, to enter certain or particular country, and then you have those record mended vaccines that you may need when you're traveling to a, a certain destination where there is actually an increased risk of, a, of exposure to a particular type of a disease. So um, okay. with that, we can just talk a little bit starting with um, routine vaccinations. 
Okay. These are vaccina- yes. These are vaccinations that you usually actually get during childhood, but they may have to be updated or boosted before you travel, such as your measles, mumps, rubella vaccine, tetanus vaccine, Paxlovid vaccine, and the polio vaccine. Okay. So, yeah, polio just to start, like, yeah, and polio, polio is very important. We can just yeah, talk a little bit. I guess as well. But, yeah, all of those are important. I guess that's why the government makes us get them early here. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, as I mentioned, the measles, mumps, rubella vaccine is usually given in childhood. Um, now, any person is born after 1957 that does not have um, documentation of getting getting those two dosages of required MRI vaccine or have a blood test that shows that they have evidence of adequate immunity to the um, measles, mumps, rubella should actually get a, a booster vaccine before starting traveling. Wow, yeah, but you know that that's that's uh, that's interesting. But what? Let me ask you this: What if you what if you've lost or you're unable to 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 find your immunization records? Well, yeah, that definitely is a problem for a lot of people. Um, well, my suggestion first is you may want to just try call, contacting your state health department or your doctor's office where you um, got the vaccine first and. Well, if, that's, if that doesn't work, then you know what your doc. You can actually go to your doctor, and there is actually he can order what's called a blood titer test to test you to see if you to test you for measles, mumps, and rubella to see if you actually have immunity or protection against those viruses. So actually, if if you if you get this test and it shows that you have adequate immunity, then you're good to go. You don't need any additional um, vaccination. But okay. if you yeah. So, but actually, if, if if any of those measles or if the measles mumps rubella, if any of them show that you don't have enough immunity, then you should get a current MMR test before you MMR vaccine before you leave. Okay. So yes. Now, is there um, a time frame you need to have that before you go? You know, let's say if you're if you're leaving, I mean, can you wait two weeks before you go to do this? Or, or you the, need to... I, well, I'm not exactly sure on the time for the MMR, but I would definitely give myself a, you know, at least, uh, well, if you get the test and you're immune to it, I would just probably just get the test maybe at least a month before you before you leave. Right. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, well, another vaccine you want to consider is the polio vaccine. That's another routine um, uh, vaccine, um, although it's not so much a problem here, but it's still endemic in, in, in particularly seven countries like India, Nigeria, Pakistan, Egypt, Afghanistan, Nigeria, and Somalia. So if you're planning to take a travel to any of those um, countries, you should get a booster of the polio vaccine. Mm, okay. Other routine vaccines that you, you should um, consider is the pneumococcal vaccine, which we all, which is given to anyone who's greater than 65 and any adult who has heart or lung disease. Any adult that's diabetic or any um, adult with liver cirrhosis or anyone who who doesn't have a spleen. And finally, in regard to routine vaccines, the uh, influenza or flu vaccine is recommended for all international travels who travel during the flu season. Right. Now, that one is very common, and you can even get that at your local pharmacy, you know, CVS or whatever, uh, and that kind of thing. So, yeah, that's that's pretty important there. Um, now, a second set of second category of travel vaccines are the vaccines that you would need that are actually required before you can enter certain countries, actually. And that includes even if you're making a short stopover to the country as well. Huh. And in this, yeah. And in these categories wow. are the yellow fever and the meningococcal vaccine. Mm-hmm. So. Wow. Um, so, like, well, if you're yeah. flying to Africa, but you go, like, when I went to uh, Kenya, I had to go through. Um, Amsterdam. So th- these kind of policies can take an effect, even if you're just stopping over. Yes, even if you're just stopping over a, 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 a country that actually has a yellow fever, you want to make sure you want to check with Center for Disease Control to make sure you don't need this vaccine. So. Right. Okay. Um, yellow fever is rare, but it is potentially a fatal virus. Um, if you're taking a trip, that, like I say, to Africa, South America, make sure. You check on the Center for Disease Control to see if the country you're traveling is concluded in the yellow um, fever travel zone. Mm. Are you traveling any well, time? 
to Africa any time that you're going to need a yellow fever vaccine? Yeah, I'm going to uh, Ghana and hopefully Nigeria in November. So I need to double-check my records. <laughs> Just make sure that I have everything because the immunizations I've had were for, you know, were, were pertinent to uh, uh, Kenya and I've had I've been to South Africa, so I guess like like we mentioned earlier, one should go to that CDC website and and just see. Example, you know, I think I've had the yellow fever uh, vaccine, uh, but I need to just kind of make sure I'm still up to date. And and I think I think you had some experience with uh, with the yellow fever vaccine. Right, right. And as I mentioned, the yellow fever vaccine should be considered when traveling to Africa or South America. And I have to say, Aaron, all the places I've traveled, South America is still on the bucket list. Right. Me too. That's still on my list. Yeah. I got it. I yeah. have, I've been to Central America, but not South America. Right, right. Me too. Yeah, I, to travel, I have forced to travel to the majority of the continents, but not this one. Um, mm-hmm. I do know that I do know that many countries in the West Africa area, including Sierra Leone, Liberia, Senegal, Nigeria, and Ghana, to name a few, require the yellow fever vaccine to enter the country. And actually, my first experience with the yellow fever vaccine was when I was 20 years old, mm-hmm. rising, uh, rising junior at Spelman College, and I had the good, yeah, <laughs> well, I was yeah, eating the yellow fever at a young age, right? Okay. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah, most of well, us were about pneumonia and stuff, or maybe not even that at that age, and you you were right, dealing with yellow fever. Making sure your chicken pox was of the day, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Goodness. Yeah. Well, anyway, I had the unique opportunity to be selected and financially sponsored uh, to participate as a volunteer in an organization called the Operation Crossroads to Africa. And as a participant in this program, I spent eight weeks actually participating in a medical mission in a small village of Sierra Leone. And, yeah, so the yellow fever vaccine was required before I could even enter this country. I just remember, um, along with carrying my passport, I actually had to carry a document, what was called the Official International Certificate of Vaccination Against Yellow Fever. Wow! So you had to you had to show proof at the border or or at customs. Right, right. They won't let you in or without they won't even let you without in. that vaccine. Yeah. <laughs> wow! Wow! Yeah. So, so is it a good idea? I guess the con- it's almost like common sense. Then, if you if you go to your doctor, get a vaccine, get vaccinated, or if you go to the health department or wherever, go to a travel clinic. You you want to carry, I guess in my opinion, I would even carry two uh, copies of proof of immunization. Once you're abroad and you're in somebody else's country, you know they rule. And so if they demand something, and you would hate to fly across the world and can't get in. I mean, right. you know, but that's my opinion. But go <laughs> <laughs> right. But uh, yeah. but yeah. Well, the so yellow the fever. Yellow... Mm-hmm. Yeah, the yellow fever vaccine is actually a live virus given in a, in a single dose, and um, revaccination is recommended actually in ten-year intervals. So I think you cover it for a little while, Aaron. Right. <laughs> I think I don't have to get another shot. Right. <laughs> I got to double check that, but and of course I don't want to get yellow fever. I mean, I guess that's the biggest thing. Most people squeamish about shots, but hey, think about not having the disease. So. Oh, yeah. exactly. Because yellow fever. I mean, although let's say let's say eighty-five percent of people it ha- it's, it's mild disease with just a headache and fevers and chills, but there's another fifteen percent that actually mm. get the second phase of disease, which causes liver um, disease and and jaundice, which is I guess is why we call it the yellow fever. So. But right. you definitely don't want that, so you definitely want to try to get the vaccine. So, Right. Well, yeah. Another vaccine which actually um, falls under the required vaccine category is actually the um, meningococcal vaccine. Mm. Um, yeah, this vaccine is required to travel to Saudi Arabia, um, like during the Hajj and religious holidays. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because there's a lot of people uh, on those trips, and so you really want to make sure that you are immunized. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, the vaccine is um, also highly recommended to travelers to sub-Saharan Africa, where there are uh, a lot of um, epidemics of the meningococcal disease. Um, meningococcal disease occurs frequently in December through June, 
and what is considered the uh, the meningitis belt. So, um, and the meningitis belt actually extends from Senegal to Ethiopia. So, what I would do before I travel is to just check with the Center for Disease Control website and look for areas that may fall under the um, meningitis belt. Okay. Um, okay, yeah. A third uh, category of vaccines are, are recommended vaccines, and these vaccines are found useful in decreasing your risk of getting infection if you're in an area where a particular disease is um, prevalent. And some of the recommended vaccines include the hepatitis A vaccine and hepatitis B vaccine, uh, the Japanese encephalitis vaccine, typhoid fever vaccine, and the rabies vaccine. Um, okay. Okay, yeah. So hepatitis A vaccine is really recommended really for all international travels unless um, you're traveling to places in Western Europe, Australia, New Zealand, Japan, uh, in North America, but excluding Mexico, however. So, um, okay. yeah. Travelers actually receive a single dose um, four weeks before they travel. So this is the one that they actually mention a time you want to get four weeks before you leave, which okay. gives you short-term immunity and protection, yes. And then yeah, you can you want to start yeah, early. Yeah. Start early, yeah. And then you can get a second dose six or twelve months later, which actually gives you long term protection for at least ten years. Um, okay, that sounds good. Sounds good, yeah. Hepatitis vaccine is another recommended vaccine and you know, right now, um hepatitis, they're giving hepatitis B vaccine during childhood has become routine in the United States. But there are many adult travelers who've never actually been immunized, so if you're traveling mm-hmm. to a yeah, travel to an area where hepatitis B is endemic, like South America, Africa, Southeast Asia, if you're planning on going to a trip to any of these regions, you want to um, get the hepatitis B vaccine. Um, this vaccine is actually given in a series of three vaccines. After you get your first vaccine, then you're uh, requ- get a, required to get a repeat vaccine in one month, and then again in six months. Okay, so it's a series of immunizations, not just one. Hey, well, yeah, what, what about if you if you miss one, one of those series of doses? Well, I highly recommend if you're traveling not to miss any dosages. Right, but, right. <laughs> but what I've read in the literature, <laughs> but what I've read in the literature, actually, if you do miss a dose, just try to get it, get your makeup dose as soon as possible, and get back on schedule. But your doctor can also order a tighter level to the hepatitis, particularly hepatitis B. They can order a tighter level and see if you're actually immune to it. So, and if you mm-hmm. have immunity, then you're good. And if you don't, then they can just give you an additional um, booster vaccine. So. Okay. Yeah. Um, now, another one of those um, recommended um, vaccines is actually the Japanese encephalitis virus vaccine, and mm. um, well, it's it's actually it's the Jap- Japanese encephalitis is prevalent in the Indian subcontinent, such such countries as Sri Lanka, for example, uh, China, Korea, Japan. So, if you're planning a, a trip to one of those countries, you want to mm-hmm. look into getting the Japanese um, encephalitis vaccine. Particularly if you're going to stay in the country longer than a month, or if you're going to be in a rural part of the country. Right. Yeah. Right. And it's another one of those yeah. vaccines that has a series, uh, three different dosages, actually. Okay, um, so you shouldn't miss any. Shouldn't miss any, right? This one is kind of given, I think, seven days, and then another one with the, the another one within thirty days. So yeah. Um. It's, this, this Japanese encephalitis virus is actually uh, transmitted by uh, by biting mosquitoes, really. Mm. And yeah, so it's something you you really don't want to get. But um, most people usually actually don't have symptoms. But if you do get symptoms, they can be pretty severe. When the brain mm-hmm. is infected, when the brain gets infected, you can have confusion, mental status changes, and even seizures, just to name a few of the symptoms you can get. So mm-hmm. yeah, um, that's an oral tablet. Vaccine tablets you can take every other day uh-huh. for four different dosages. And okay. It looks like this. So that's something you want to consider. And there's also an injectable um, vaccine booster that can be given every uh, two years. So this one's more in a two-year interval for immunity. Okay. And finally, and finally, the rabies vaccine. You want to uh, get yeah, a rabies? Don't want to get that. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, no. <laughs> Definitely not. That's deadly. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not being picky, but the rabies just doesn't sound good. But, <laughs> All right. <laughs> you know. But yeah. 
Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, the areas where the rabies, uh, where rabies is prominent is actually the Indian subcontinent, China, Southeast Asia, uh, the Philippines, certain parts of Indonesia, Latin America, and mm-hmm. Africa. I was looking at wanting to take a trip to Indonesia, so I have to definitely keep this in mind. Right, I, that's <laughs> on my list. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Well, they do have like here in the United States, we always get post-exposure vaccination, but they do have a pre-exposure vaccine that's given in a series of three vaccines. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you take one vaccine, and seven days later you get another one, and then you get your third vaccine from 21 to 28 days um, later. So. This is yeah. definitely want to cons- you know consider this if you're going to one of the countries that we talked about. You're planning a prolonged stay to a rural area. You're going to work near animals or or engage in activities mm-hmm. that increase your risk to being exposed to um, animals, like hiking, for example. Right. Um, well, what about uh, like malaria? That was a, a big one for me. Uh, I didn't get it. I'm just saying prevention, uh, and I was yeah. actually a little concerned. Uh, yeah, what, how do you how do you prevent that? Yeah, we did talk a lot about travel organizations, but yeah, malaria prevention is a must. Yeah, okay. um, just a little personal on that. Um, doing one of my medical missions in Africa, I was actually informed that one of my fellow group participants um, failed to take his medications every day like he should. Mm-hmm. And this particular, yeah, this particular individual, he developed. Uh, with a severe neurological complication of malaria called cerebral malaria. Uh-huh. And that was really, really horrific, actually. Um, wow. Unfortunately, I witnessed firsthand this, had him have abrupt change and his mental status change and become incoherent. Hmm. Um, and it was really, you know, being a 20-year-old, this is kind of disheartening to see that one of your team right. players on your team has such an illness. Yeah. I, you yeah. know, often today I still wonder what happened to this, um, this person or this individual. Because mm-hmm. um, it actually occurred pretty much at the end of our, our end of our mission trip, and um, we had to actually leave him behind in the um, the Ivory Coast Hospital. So wow. never knew quite, yeah, never knew quite what happened to him. I just, yeah, I just uh-huh. hope he uh, survived it. Yeah, right. Yeah, because we all had to get back to the United States as scheduled. So, but this is yeah. during my summer volunteer mission. So at that time, I wasn't a physician, but I was an aspiring pre medical student at that time. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But a little, a little on malaria now. Malaria is a preventable and life-threatening disease, which is caused by a um, parasitic infection. Mm-hmm. And this parasite that's responsible for this is called, is called the uh, plasmodium, of which there are actually five different species of this parasite, which can cause malaria in humans. Um, malaria is transmitted by a very uh, specific infected female mosquito in humans. And in fact, in 2006, 15, there were 91 countries and areas that had ongoing malaria transmission. And actually, according to the data from the World Health Organization, there were 212 million cases in 2015 and 429,000 deaths. So this is, you know, really serious Yeah, that's here. a big one. So, um, yeah, and easy to prevent, but yeah. Yeah, it, it really is, yeah. Um, well, prevention of malaria includes um, using insect repellents and bad netting. And um, the Center for Disease Control um, actually highly recommends that insect repellent referred as as DEET, D-E-E-T. Mm-hmm. And um, I encourage everyone to check it out on the website to get more information about it. So, um, right. besides that, um, malaria prevention additionally involves taking a medication to help prevent transmission of malaria. Um, the medication has to be taken before you leave, during your trip, and when you return from your trip. And actually, right now they have about five medicines that are medications out there that, that are used to treat and prevent malaria, uh, which three are, are really kind of right now the drug of choice to use um, for most uh, most areas of malaria so that have malaria. Um, the medications include malarone, larium, and doxycycline. And um, I personally use myself, and I mostly prescribe the melarone because it's, it's very effective in the resistant species of malaria. Because now Back in the day when I went to Africa, we used chloroquine, and it was it was it was okay. But now the, uh, the uh, uh, parasite is very resistant to it. So, uh, but mel- melanoma is very effective against resistant species of malaria, and can be started one or two days before travel, and continued um, just seven days when you return, as compared to the other medicines, which you have to take four weeks when you get back. 
Right, you know? right. I yeah, think so I was that's, doing that's, that. Yeah. Yeah. I like I like that better because it's you know it's convenient mm-hmm. the fact that you can just start taking it one or two days before you leave instead of remember to take it weeks before like some of the other ones. Um, uh, Malarone, however, you can't use it with people who have significant kidney disease or pregnancies, and that's when the other medications or alternative medications are used. Um, I do want to say one important thing that travelers need to, to be aware of and know that um, that uh, the malaria prevention medications uh, does not give you full protection or full, full guarantee that you won't actually get malaria. Oh. So you need to kind of, yeah, you still need to kind of, when you get back and return, or you need to just be familiar with the symptoms of malaria because um, you, right. can, you can, yeah, you can get the symptoms from day one to a year later from a, a, a parasite infection, actually. So, mm-hmm. so when you return home, I remember returning home, and they always told me to to make sure to watch out. You don't get fevers and chills, so you still develop malaria a year after you've been home. So that's something that we uh, the travelers need to know. But anyway, um, the symptoms are high fevers, moderate fevers and chills and sweatings, and some of the other um, symptoms you can get are headache, vomiting, and, and muscle aches. If you get any of these, you want to make sh- be sure to seek uh, medical attention. Um, mm-hmm. And then, of course, the worst case of malaria if you get cerebral malaria or, cer- or malaria to the brain. So. Yeah, not yeah. good. Yeah, that's yeah. not good. Yeah. Well, we got about about. Eight or nine minutes left in the show. What are what are we talked about? Travel vaccination uh, to help prevent some of the life-threatening infections. What about more common illnesses that that many travelers can get? You know, such like like traveler's diarrhea. Yeah, traveler's diarrhea is a common problem. I travel more is more likely to actually have. Um, and I sure had my um, shared this problem in my medical missions in Africa and actually when in Nicaragua when I was a fourth-year medical student. And trust me, it is not an optimal way to lose weight. So, um, traveler's diarrhea is very common, and up to 55% of people traveling from a um, developed nation to a developing nation get traveler's diarrhea. Although traveler's diarrhea is rarely life-threatening, it really can decrease the quality of your well-being and enjoyment of your trip. And um, for those travelers who actually get this, uh, one out of five travelers are actually bedridden, and one out of three travelers actually have to alter their activity. So, yeah, yeah, so. that's not that's not good. Well, what about um, uh, what about I wanted to just so we can get through uh, everything. What about jet lag? Um, have, you know, we talked about some of the preventing treatment of infections while traveling. What are some other things people can do to prepare? You know, from a you know when, when traveling. Like particularly, you know, you go into these other countries, and you know, jet lag is a possibility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jet lag, you know, temporary sleep disorder can, which can affect travelers who travel across multiple time zones, really, and it's more likely to cause a problem if you travel in a zone greater than uh, uh, five hours, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the things you can do to try to try to minimize jet lag, well, uh, for one, you should try to select a flight that allows an early evening um, arrival, and stay awake until 10 p.m. local time. Um, you want to avoid alcohol and caffeine three to four hours before bedtime as caffeine is definitely a stimulating and it prevents sleep. Um, avoid heavy exercise close to the bedtime. So, Some of the things you want to do is try to get out outside in the sunlight whenever possible since um, daylight is a powerful um, stimulant for regulating your um, biological clock. And a hormone melatonin actually is as a natural hormone that we have that actually regulates our, our sleep and wake cycle. So getting out into getting out in the sun actually suppresses melatonin, so it kind of helps you uh, stay awake if you get out in the sun during the day. So the worst thing you can do is stay inside when you're traveling. It makes jet lag actually worse. Oh, okay. Um, that actually makes worse. So when you, when you get there, you want to try to um, go to bed at a local time, and if, uh-huh. and um, um, some people actually use melatonin supplements. That's one thing you can use to try to help. And you want to take it um, 30 minutes before your local bedtime. Um, actually, often it's taking like a half a milligram or three milligrams close to bedtime. Um, but it takes it actually takes about a, a um, your natural adjustment takes about one day per time zone actually to um, recover mm. from jet lag. So, um, yeah, yeah, to adjust it takes a while. I mean. Jet lag, you know, have you ever had a headache? It gives you headache and fatigue and problems concentrating, so it's definitely not uh, fun, that's for sure. Um, 
some travels and some of my patients, they actually like to have a short course of um, sleeping medications to help them get on track, such as you know, I've, I've used Ambien for some of my patients, select patients, I would say. It's like patients that may use Ambien or Lanesta. But mm-hmm. those are the things you can kind of do to try to um, fight off jet lag. Mm-hmm. Well, what about if you're going on a cruise? You know, some people get, um, you know, motion sickness. How do you deal? How do you deal with motion sickness? Oh God, yeah, motion sickness, or sea sickness, or air sickness. Yeah, that's that's definitely definitely a pain. Have you ever tried flying in a helicopter with a fast speed? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think I've done a helicopter yet. <laughs> yeah, well, that definitely. Um, I'm quite sure you have, though. Yeah, with <laughs> being in the yeah. <laughs> That can really wow. definitely make it. Yeah, that can make it uh, nauseated. Well, they do have some medications that can kind of help with uh, uh-huh. motion sickness. And um, well, the first line of treatment actually is this: as the scopolamine patch, which is the first uh-huh. line drug which you use. Um, it's actually a patch that you want to put on um, at least four hours before you travel, and then it has to be changed every seventy-two hours as needed. So that's one mm-hmm. thing you can do. Um, there have been a lot of um, older medications, I guess, what's called the first-line uh, generation antihistamines. Um, um, I guess one of the ones you can get over the counter is cyclozine, and, and then all of them have I've tried and prescribed antivert uh, prescription for some of the patients, and some patients found this helpful uh, for the motion sickness. Yeah. You know, in regards to the motion sickness, I, I tried the patch once, and, you know, I still actually even had some mild symptoms of motion sickness, but... This is when I was on a cruise to the Bahamas, and I can tell you they had really just excellent sales on that cruise, and the food was fantastic. But despite the fact that I was still sick on my stomach and felt full and mildly nauseated, I didn't let it hinder me eating or tasting any of such great food they had there. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's tempting. It's very tempting. So, um, yeah. But couple that, couple that with a rocking boat, you know, it doesn't really go together. <laughs> You know? Oh, it does, but I tell you, I yeah. was trying my best. <laughs> right, right. Well, we got about two minutes left. What, what, are, what other advice can you give? Uh, just some general advice uh, before we uh, exit today. Well, I think I'm just going to talk a little bit about your medications. Um, what you can do uh-huh. with your medications. Um, in regard to your prescribed medications, make sure you always bring them on as a carry-on and, and try to bring your original and in, in original containers when you're going through customs and security. Make sure you have a hard copy of your prescriptions, like the mm-hmm. needles and the sharps. Or, and any, make sure you, you want to have a copy of this prescription because of any of the other medications that were, could be potentially problematic, you want to make sure you don't have any problems going through security, particularly like the narcotic medications, for example. Um, uh, please make sure to bring all your emergency medications, such as, uh, you know, if you if you have asthma or COPD, make sure you bring your inhalers. If you have heart disease and use nitroglycerin, make sure you have that. And if you, you know, a migrainer like me, make sure you have your migraine medications on board. Uh, make sure mm-hmm. to have these on you and not pack them. Um, I also want to just encourage you to make sure you bring additional medications with you because sometimes your flight could get delayed or you may have interruption in your trip and you don't want to find yourself without uh, medications. Um, right. A, yeah, yeah. A little timing on medications. Um, for medications that are really, really really critical, like those heart medications and blood thinners, you want to try to um, continue to take these medications at your regular at-home dosing initially. And then you can gradually switch to local time if you're planning on a prolonged stay or a long trip. For other medications, oh. it's actually okay to go ahead and assist to your local time, like your arthritis medicines or your your diabetic medications or so. Um, so, okay. ha, do I have much more time, yeah. or are we running out of time now? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, we got about a minute left. So, I think hey, that means we got to bring you back, uh, right. Dr. Robertson, and uh, you know, but yeah, let's bring you back after you come back from Kuwait. And you can kind of tell us what, what you know how was that trip as well. But I think we've given at least a good foundation today. So I greatly appreciate you coming on the show, and let's talk to you as let's continue this. You know, when you come back from Kuwait. Yeah, when we come back, we'll talk about blood clot prevention and travel insurance, and maybe a little bit more detailed on travels diarrhea. Okay. That'll be great. That'll be great. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that concludes another. Great episode of the Weekly Wellness Show. If you missed any of it, you can always listen by podcast. And if you think this information will help anyone else, hey, share it. Invite them to the Facebook page. So taking us out, 
is a group of jazz artists collectively known as In Groove. So, until next week, be happy, be healthy, and be kind.